This is Talking Business. Well, I'm joined now by James Mawini, who is the founder and managing director of Mayfair 101. G'day, James. Hi, Alan. How are you? Now, you started Mayfair 101. It's your business. You own it. Um, but it's based in London. You're Australian. You started it here. What happened? I am. I'm a Perth uh, boy, born and bred in Fremantle. I moved over to Melbourne about nine years ago. Um, was running the group as a, as a private investment company in the last five years or so. We've really scaled up our activities. To so when you point. say a private investment company, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, it's myself making investments. And listed in other companies. Money. Correct. Right. Exactly. So where'd you make the money? Uh, private companies and listed companies, combination of the two. But um, more recently, we're focusing on a lot of unlisted companies and um, helping through the path towards either liquidity events on the public markets, if not being bought out. So I'm just trying to get my head around this. So you, sure. you got rich and then you set up a company to manage your manage your money, and then you started to take in other people's money? Is that the kind of the way it works? Yeah, look, along those lines, so I, I ran a, a marketing company for close to 10 years or thereabouts, um, vended that into a public company, um, and that didn't work out. Taught me, uh, gave me a few war wounds, but um, put us in a position where we're able to help other companies through that process. So unlike a lot of other fund managers, um, I don't mind admitting I wasn't born and bred into the funds management space, didn't work at Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or anything like that. Instead, came at it from the other angle where I'd consulted to a couple of thousand businesses, had hands-on experience running many businesses of my own. Um, and so I think that that puts us in a pretty strong position to be able to identify good businesses that we directly invest in. Right. And so is is Mayfair 101 just a, a primarily a, a sort of a standard funds management business? Look, it is. In, in some ways, we're like an investment bank. So we, we take money uh, at a fixed cost of capital. We pay fixed monthly interest on pretty much all of our investors' funds. Um, that gives us access to a, a good, no, pretty sizable source of capital that we can then invest across a range of different asset classes. So we're doing everything from originally a lot of technology-based businesses, which was a lot of my background, and more recently, as you're aware, we've been um, doing a lot more in the property space. And that way, thing that I learnt at a very young age was the importance of diversification. So we're, we're well diversified now into 11 countries. Um, we're in well over 10 sectors across about five currencies, ranging from you know, early stage businesses through to you know, 10 plus year profit making businesses. Right. So just back up a bit, because um, most fund management businesses, they, they invest people's money and the clients get what the market or the returns provide. Yes. You don't guarantee anything. There it is. But it sounds like you take on fixed interest money and you pay an interest rate. Yes. Right. Uh, that's different. It that, is. That is different. It, it, it is different, uh, but it's exactly what the banks do. Yes, of course. Uh, that's of right. Of course. So, so our niche and- But do you and, guarantee that interest rate? Uh, we can't guarantee. Um, that being said, we have developed a product very recently where we actually provide dollar for dollar security behind it too. What do you mean by that? Um, so we, uh, we've we developed a product called the M Fixed Income product, which is available through our Mayfair Platinum brand. Mayfair Platinum is our customer-facing brand. Um, so we have a product now where investors can basically invest with us. We pay them a fixed rate of interest, um, and then we provide dollar-for-dollar dollar security against other unencumbered assets in our business, um, which includes Australian property. So it's entirely uh, backed? Correct. Dollar-for-dollar. Dollar-for-dollar. Exactly dollar. right. 
So it's not exactly guaranteed in the sense that you've got capital behind it, but exactly. it's effectively guaranteed. Yeah, look, we're not a bank. We're proud of that fact. And obviously with the turmoil in the banking space at the moment, no, it's it's a good position to be in. Um, we don't have the government guarantee. The government guarantees a lot of people aware is only 250000 for a lot of our investors. We only deal with wholesale investors, so we don't deal with any retail. Everyone's wholesale and the average investor of their parking note, upwards of a couple of hundred thousand dollars, every dollar above in the bank isn't guaranteed anyway. So what is the interest rate you pay? Yeah, look, most of our investors are getting anywhere between you know, three and a bit percent up to about six and a half to seven or so, um, which if you compare that against current term deposits and other you know, um, income generating products, we think we're pretty much on the mark. Um, the good thing for us is it gives us a fixed cost of capital, which means it's a more predictable business to operate. It gives us the ability to invest that, obviously, across our asset pool, which um, is now you know, quite expensive. And what's the rate on the dollar for dollar? Product. When you say dollar for dollar, the oh, for that, the yeah, one that's yeah, no, good question. Everyone wants to know. Um, look, we're paying sort of low threes up to low fives. Right. So, to, we, so it's a bit of a range. There's a range. It's not it, a, exactly it's not right. And it's down Is to, that range about duration? Down to tenor, exactly right. So, so um, I mean, our typical investment cycle, we look at most businesses that we invest in. If it's, say, a business, we consider that that's about a two to five year life cycle uh, in terms of us putting money in, working hands on with that business to develop it and then uh, achieving some form of exit or profitability, for example. Um, so most of our tenors range a minimum of six months up to five years in line with that, that life cycle. So, uh, given you've got a fixed cost of funds, um, whatever you make on that is yours. Correct. Above, above the cost of funds, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly right. Our proposition is um, no people put money in the bank. The banks are driven by shareholders that put a lot of pressure on the boards, who put pressure on the CEOs, whose remuneration is ultimately driven by share price. The way that they can drive their share prices through profitability, and obviously profitability comes in the difference between what they make versus their cost of capital and obviously overheads. Um, so we operate in a similar model, except the difference is we don't have hundreds of thousands of shareholders breathing down our neck trying to achieve a, set, a certain share price every day of the week. So, no. but but I mean the banks are um, the banks have a capital base, yes, a regulated capital base, regulated by APRA, and they're also too big to fail. Right, so yes. you know, I think the assumption would be, even though, even though above two hundred fifty thousand, the money's not guaranteed. The the, the 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 assumption would be that if CBA gets into trouble, they'll be bailed out, right? Of course. So, I mean, what happens to you in a recession? Yeah, sure. So, look, for a start, we consider the interest rates are going to be low for quite some time. Um, any investment that we make, we're not looking to make a couple of percent on that investment. Um, we're typically investing in areas where we can see double-digit growth. Um, that gives us really good margins in what we're doing. Um, we very much plan for the long term with a lot of our investments. And again, I come back to a lesson I learned at a young age, which is the importance of diversification. So, our investors can rest comfortable that knowing that we haven't put all of our money into Australian property or all of our money into startups. Um, we're very well diversified, and that was um, again something that I think is absolutely important in a in a prudent investment strategy. So, speaking of diversification, you've spent thirty one million on Dunk Island, I think. Yes, and spent another hundred and fifty million on um, uh, properties around Mission Beach on the mainland, just yeah. near Dunk Island. That seems like a lot of money. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of the world. Have you been up there? Uh, I don't think I have. Been to Dunk Island, no, I confess. I've to come probably up. drove through Mission Beach, <laughs> yeah, um, on the way to the Cairns. But um, 
uh, what? Um, yeah, so tell us about the strategy there. Yeah, so firstly, Dunk Island's a truly iconic piece of Australian real estate, and um, since uh, you know, probably the last ten years or so, nothing's really happened with the island. It's been in the hands of a private owner. Um, we saw an opportunity not just to you know, buy the island and redevelop it and restore effectively what could be become. Is it derelict at the moment? It is. No yeah, one's staying there at all. No, no one's staying there at the moment. There are. We've got some staff working on the island. Uh, it's got a private airstrip on there. Uh, it's got a beautiful spit that's been very iconic and photographed many times over. Um, but we saw the bigger opportunities actually not just to develop the island but the actual region itself um, because the island is only four kilometres off the coast of Mission Beach. It's a beautiful 12 kilometre white sandy beach. You compare it to the beaches of Bali, um, you probably couldn't compare it. Um, it's got beautiful you know, white sand, hardly a skerrick of rubbish anywhere. Lots of wildlife, the Great Barrier Reef, it's actually the closest point to the Great Barrier Reef across the whole of the Queensland coast. And so for the people that come traditionally have stayed on Dunk Island, they'll typically make their way over to the mainland for a day or so, and vice versa, those staying on the mainland would make their way over to the island. So. We really see this as quite an interconnected strategy um, where we're actually working with some town planners at the moment to uh, really look at breathing life into the region because it's been heavily undervalued. There's a lot of uh, sizable blocks of real estate there, both um, residential, commercial, subdivisible lots, um, some uh, old resorts that we believe we can breathe life into. So, um, yeah, we're really excited about the opportunity. So is the, is the plan to renovate it and flip it or to, to be a long-term owner? No, look, no we're, with all of our assets, we're long-term holders um, and we really consider that, you know, that there's a lot of uplift to be had in the area. I mean at the moment Australia doesn't have anywhere like the Greek islands or like the south of France for, for people to travel to. The closest we've, we've got in Australia unfortunately is Bali um, and Bali's been great it's certainly come a long way, but a lot of people are a bit um, a bit over the overcrowding there, um, and the, the, the new laws that they're looking at bringing in the travelling. Well, what about the Whit Sundays? I'm just, I mean, I'm thinking you've made a bald statement there that Australia <laughs> has nothing like that. That's surely that's rubbish. I mean, we've got we've got the Whit Sundays, we've got Port Douglas, we've got Cairns, we've got yeah. Gold Coast. Uh, so the uh, Sunshine Coast, I could go on. No, no they're, they're beautiful regions, but um, the difference is if you travel to the likes of the Greek islands or the south of France, there's beautiful restaurants, a lot of places that a lot of you know, high net wealth individuals will travel. Um, you've got beautiful yachts sailing, sailing around the area. Australia is still struggling to get that audience um, that the international markets uh, traditionally have had. Same as the Caribbean in some so, ways. So this thing, this area for you is going to be really upmarket, is it? Uh, there'll be, we'll be catering to all the demographics. But we will certainly cater to the market audience as well. Right. Because um, yeah, I saw some pictures of Dunk Island. It's a mess, isn't it? Uh, at the moment, yes. The cyclone went through. We've made massive inroads in the last couple of weeks with starting to tidy it up. And are you going to um, uh, upgrade the airstrip so that you can get jets on there? Yeah, look, we're considering it at the moment. Um, the aviation laws are changing so that you know, over time we will be able to potentially land some slightly larger planes on there. At this stage, we don't ever envisage there being any uh, major airlines flying in there. Um, at best, it will remain a private airstrip. Because that's been a big um, plus for Hamilton Island, the fact that you know you can fly from Melbourne and Sydney straight there. Oh, absolutely! No, it has been. I mean, at the moment, there's there's two other um, airports. There's uh, the Innisfail or Mundu Airport. Um, there's also a strip down at Cardwell called Delaki. Um, but look, Cairns has an international airport. It's only two hours up the road, um, and with no either a, a private plane um, or a helicopter, you can be down on Mission Beach or actually on Dunk Island in no, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, right. Well, good luck with that. Great. Thanks, Alan. It's been great talking to you, James. Thanks. No problem. Thank you.
I've been talking to James Mawinney, who's the founder and managing director of Mayfair 101.